Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. My name is Eric Van Dusen from Data Science Undergraduate Studies in the Division of Computing, Data Science, and Society at UC Berkeley, and I'll be leading our conversation today. And my name is Kalechi Nebadam, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping out today too. Hi, everybody. Today we have Sarah Stone from the eScience Institute at UW. Could you give us a brief introduction to yourself and what you're currently working on? Yes, I'd be glad to. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Um, yeah, so my name is Sarah Stone. I'm the executive director for the eScience Institute, which is at the University of Washington, and we are the data science hub on our campus. Um, and We've been around since 2014, um, so we're, we have kind of a long history at the University of Washington and one of, we're one of the earliest kind of data science focused institutes um, in a university um, in our country. And, um, and I would say we've, we've had a rich tradition of creating a neutral space um, for data science engagement on campus and to bring people together across disciplines um, to find common methodological challenges and common shared interests um, in developing data science tools and techniques. Um, and I would say right now I'm really excited because I'm, I'm sure like many of you, we're seeing the expansion of AI on our campuses. And so we're thinking a lot about how we support AI research coming both from the methodological side, but also how we um, highlight and lift up the AI work that's happening across very disparate parts of campus and help people find each other. Nice. Um, could you tell us about your work with Data Science for Social Good? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the Data Science for Social Good program is a program that we've been running in the summer since 2015. And the idea of this program is that it brings together student fellows from universities across the country. Um, during Zoom, it was virtually coming together. Last year, it was hybrid. <laughs> I think this year, we, we're not quite sure, but um, historically, it had been fully in person. Um, but we've now explored all those um, different, uh, I guess, scenarios or structures. Um, and it really brings these students together, and these are upper division undergraduates as well as graduate students, to work on projects um, that are socially impactful. Um, and these projects involve deep stakeholder collaborations um, with nonprofits and governments, although they're often mediated through an academic, um, uh, you know, a, a member, a faculty member who's coming from academia, either at our university or at other universities. And I would say a real hallmark of this program is that we're not just bringing you know, students coming from a computer science background. The, the students come from a variety of different disciplinary spaces and we intentionally create teams that bring together social scientists, people with design expertise, people coming more from a methodological background because we bring, believe that richness and diversity um, enhances the projects. Um, and an emphasis that we really put on the work that the students are doing is to think about um, the ethical landscape in which the work is taking place. 
um, and how to do that work um, responsibly and to, to do what is actually going to be meaningful to the stakeholders versus maybe what's like the, the coolest new technique in machine learning, um, such that these projects have lifetimes, you know, they, they generally have lifetimes before they come to us, but that the students are really doing work that then has a lifetime that goes on after the program um, and so that it's not an academic exercise but really something that is integrated into the community. Cool. Um, so, um, and maybe just one last thing. Sorry, I'll just say on that is because I, I I know your audience is there is a huge interest and need for students who want to use their data science skills to do something meaningful, whether or not that's a long term career goal or just some like how they'd like to spend some of their time. So, I would love to talk to people if they're interested in how to build out similar programs. There's lovely examples of these programs both in kind of summer settings or like Berkeley has the data discovery program which is built into more of a semester structure. I just really think we need more of these programs because they're a fantastic way to draw in students who might not otherwise see themselves as data scientists who are really driven by the, the question and the impact that they can have and the, the data science tools are just kind of something they learn along the way. And I think we need to like that there's just such a rich opportunity here. Nice. I'll, just, I'll, I'll stop there. No, no, that's good. I, I, w I would love to keep going. If you had like, you know, an example or a vignette or some project that you really love just to like, so the listeners could think about what this involving undergrads in research milieu is like. Yeah, well, one thing I'll, I'll just note up front is um, for organizations that are interested in building out this type of program, and maybe we could put this in the, I don't know if you have notes that go along with the, the podcast, but we did write a white paper along with um, 19 other universities that have similar programs or are aspiring to build similar programs. Again, because we really want to see these programs pr proliferate. So maybe we could share that in terms of how you build out these structures. Um, and then I would say um, one of the projects that's come to mind that's had a long history and now actually has um, a, a, a large grant from the Department of Transportation um, started in the Data Science for Social Good program and that was looking at um, creating um, a, a map for, it's called, um, the project is called Open Sidewalks, but it was creating a mapping functionality um, for people who are mobility limited. Um, because there's real challenges in navigating, um, you know, and understanding how to get from one place to the other and where sidewalk ramps might be present, the steepness of hills. We deal with that a lot in Seattle because we have a very steep, hilly downtown like you do in San Francisco. Um, and so this project was really structured around pedestrian safety and particularly for people who are mobility challenged, which is a large fraction of people in the United States. Um, and so the students on that project um, uh, created a standard actually in the open street maps um, functionality or, or platform um, and then were able to um, incorporate and run focus groups with users um, to understand how to improve that tool um, and that tool has now gone on to is now gone on to be uh, built out both in the, the campus our campus in the city of Seattle and in other cities and as a long-term DOT initiative. Wow, that's a great story. Thanks. That's 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 yeah, scaling right there. <laughs> scaling from a student project to a, to something citywide. 
Yeah, and I'll just, let me just make sure I reference. So the, the leads on that were Anat Kospi at the um, Taskar Center for Accessible Technology um, and Mark Hellenbeck at the Washington Transportation Center, Washington State Transportation Center. Um, and actually they met in the DSSG program, so that project started out with Anat. So there's there's lots of wonderful connections and that happen in these types of programs, as I'm sure you guys know. Nice. Okay, so, um, and then we know that, um, you've been creating roles at eScience for data scientists, um, sort of like, um, you know, to liaise with different departments and different projects. Could you tell us about that process a little bit? Yeah, one thing that we really saw lacking, and this is going back to, um, well, really to the origin of eScience, but um, we had support to really build this out under the more Sloan data science environment, similar to what happened actually at BIDS at Berkeley. Um, but we saw this uh, need for data science expertise on campus and that the kind of the way departments were structured or the faculty that they were hiring in, it could actually be detrimental if they were spending too much time on you know, creating tools and techniques and software because that wasn't viewed as the core work of that discipline. But yet we were seeing more and more really across all disciplinary spaces that people needed this expertise. And so data, the eScience the e Institute and our data science staff is really structured around this mission of accelerating data intensive discovery across all research fields and creating programs where researchers, regardless of their level of technical expertise, can come and engage with us and we can help them move forward and, and get access to, to what's most useful for them. Um, and these positions are unique in that these are non-tenure track positions, but we've tried to make them um, prestigious um, within academia in the sense that while they all have, all of those roles have some service functionality, like for example, supporting the Data Science for Social Good program. We also have an incubator program, they all do office hours, but they also all continue to have their own independent research programs. Um, and often are bringing in grants or participating in other, you know, deeper um, research activities on campus. And I think that allows those positions to, to be more sought after and allows us to keep really talented people in the university, in the Seattle environment, which like where you are in the Bay Area, that's not trivial. Nice, nice. Um, I would also like to hear about how you work with like academic departments and sort of like in integrating data science into teaching, but like how eScience can facilitate departments like integrating that. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, fairly early on, the role that eScience has been able to play as a neutral entity on campus has allowed us to bring together different departments that might not otherwise be so willing to engage if this was viewed as a CS initiative or as a stats initiative. Um, because we're a neutral ground and we're not a department, um, we don't, we're not a threat in the sense of building out um, curriculum. And so that allowed us to create a framework um, for what are called, what we built out, which are data science options um, at the University of Washington. And this is a different approach than we're seeing at other universities across the country. And I don't think any of us know what's going to be the best approach. We're still too young. <laughs> um, I'm sure that will resonate with many of the folks on your podcast. Um, but our approach here was that not to think of data science as a separate field, but to think of data science as um, you know, a suite of uh, tools and techniques 
that are needed across every field to varying, dis um, to varying extents and in different ways, right? Like we're not gonna train a CS undergrad, that's not a meaningful way necessarily in terms of what they're learning in data science um, to some a, a student coming up in oceanography, simply because they, they probably don't have the bandwidth, but um, the, the particular tools or approaches are gonna be somewhat domain specific. And so the structure at the University of Washington allowed us to create a framework for what we thought were the key components to a data science education both at the undergraduate level and at the graduate level. Um, and that's a framework, I'd be happy to share the links to those. Um, and then departments instantiate that. So they take a look at the framework, they look at the courses that they have that fit in those categories, um, and they determine what's gonna work best for that department, and that department, is, or, and that, that department owns the data science option, and it's almost like a specialization that the students can do while they're getting a degree in another field. So they're still getting a degree in biology, but it'll say on their transcript that they did an option in data science. Um, so it's kind of a unique structure. We, we were able to leverage having this ability within the University of Washington system. But what I like about it is that then, you know, because I think departments can feel threatened when a new department comes up or it feels like it's taking students from them. And this way the students, you know, they can continue to attract students, but it gives them an increased ability to say, to offer this data science training within the context of their own work. That's really amazing to hear. I'd love to focus a bit more on your background now. We found out that you have a background in biology and life sciences and specifically a PhD in oceanography from Santa Barbara or UC Santa Barbara. Would you mind telling us a bit more about your own research and how that has informed your interdisciplinary perspective? Yeah, well, I can certainly say, like just going way back to when I was doing my doctorate at Santa Barbara, um, I was doing a a, um, a project that was looking at how euphausids or krill break up marine particles. And it was very video imaging intensive. And I had no training in how to deal with, you know, images and image processing and tracking particles and all these things. And I was very overwhelmed. And I often say, like, if I had had access, I mean, certainly tools have advanced, but I think even if I had just been talking to the right people and gotten more support, I probably could have saved, like, shaved a year off of my degree. Um, so I think I really feel, and that's just one example, and I felt that throughout when I was, um, you know, more uh, in faculty positions or in my postdoc, that... Um, that that you know coming up against those challenges and not really having the resources or knowing where to find the resources knowing that there were better ways to do things out there but not knowing how to access them um, and i think that has changed a lot um, you know in recent years where um, there's building been a building out both because of educational programs and students coming up and bringing that expertise into their labs um, but also this recognition that we at like a places like the Science Institute or the various structures you have at Berkeley, we need to not just be training um, students, we need to be training the existing faculty um, and existing researchers and recognizing that a lot of that training hasn't been part of their, you know, their, the, the history of those fields um, and meeting people where they're at in, in order to be able to do that. And so I would say, sorry, that wasn't really your question. I guess I got a little sidetracked, but 
I think my experience as an oceanography, which has had big data for a long time in a lot of ways because of satellite imagery, because the huge proliferation now of sensors in various different um, ocean environments um, and autonomous kinds of um, vehicles, that has just exploded. And I think more and more we deal with how you merge very disparate types of data um, and bring those together in a compelling picture. And those continue to be big challenges in the oceanography space and I think across a lot of, a lot of other fields. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. Um, I'd also love to hear more about your work with the West Big Data Hub um, and scalability through technology. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I was most excited about in this um, this last year, so where the West Big Data Hub um, has been around actually also since about 2015, I think I have my dates right, um, and we're um, kind of on the tail end of our um, sort of second phase of the West Hub. And what that's been really about, I, I often think of it as trying to do what e-science does on a university level, but on a regional, <laughs> a regional level are a lot of the same components where we're trying to build cross-sector partnerships um, to support work in kind of the pressing societal challenge spaces. And there's been some areas where we've been able to dive more deeply, particularly in California around um, water safety um, and water availability. Um, and also thinking of that more broadly in, in um, the western states where we're also thinking about you know, drought um, and more recently thinking about fires. Uh, in terms of, I would say, what comes to mind is one of my favorite things that we've done is a, a um, conference that we held this past um, fall where, um, as I mentioned, uh, in the context of the West Hub, we built out um, a uh, community of practice of people doing similar kind of typically summer programs in the data for good space that had this deep kind of stakeholder in integration and were interested in educating students. Um, in connecting with those programs, we all felt to some extent like there wasn't really a platform for students to present the work that was coming out of these programs. Um, because most scientific conferences are really looking right for kind of the cutting edge work that's happening in terms of the technology. Um, and as I mentioned previously, often what the students are doing, they might be doing cutting edge kind of applications of that work, but they're also really attentive to what's, what the stakeholders need. And that's a whole science in and of itself of how to really effectively be engaging with stakeholders um, and, and doing, um, you know, real co-development and user-based design of whatever tools they're building or maybe whatever like sort of policy decisions they're helping to inform. And so what I wanted to do is, is have a conference where these, this, this work of these students could really be highlighted and lauded for the important work that it is. Um, and so we ran through the West Hub a um, conference called Learning and Doing Data for Good that really centered the student work and the partnerships with various different organizations across the country where these projects had really changed what they were doing. Um, and 
Uh, that's I could guess I don't know that that's probably my favorite thing that we've been able to do with the West Hub and I, we're hoping to um, in this coming year we're working with the Academic Data Science Alliance and their annual meeting um, to bring that learning and doing good component and highlight those kinds of student projects so I hope we'll see again if, if you're listening to this call if you have students working in this space we'd love to see those projects and and help lift them up um, because again, I think this is really important and work, and that it's really where a lot of students want to want to engage. And anyway, I'll stop there. Great. Um, I know that UW has had a very long history, or quite a long history, fifteen or so years in the data science space. Um, and I'd love to know if you could tell us where you see data science education for undergraduates evolving over at UW over in the next coming years and just where you see it growing over time. Yeah, um, actually, so one of the things, you know, I mentioned the data science options previously. Um, and we had a lot of success de developing out those options at the graduate level. So we have, I think, about 18 different departments that have built out graduate data science options, um, both that there's kind of an advanced level of that and a, a, a um, standard level. In the undergraduate, so we also have undergraduate options, but what we discovered was it was really challenging for undergraduate programs to build out kind of a whole specialization in data science. Um, because graduate education is often so impacted um, and you know many departments already feel they're up to their full um, credit count and it's hard to think about what courses you might replace because you know every course feels so important and so critical to what the students are accomplishing and so the the departments where we saw the data science option getting built out at the undergraduate level were primarily methods departments um, so where students were already taking some of these courses as part of their regular, um, uh, you know, major. So for example, in, in computer science or in statistics or um, applied math. Um, although there are, are departments like um, atmospheric sciences which have managed to build out the undergraduate option. But what we were seeing was that those departments were fairly limited, mostly methods departments and certain, certainly more in the STEM space. And we increasingly are seeing the need for people who have data science um, training or knowledge to serve perhaps more in kind of a translator functionality, um, both in lo local tech companies but in other constructs and other sectors of the economy. And so we recently, actually now it's, it's a couple years ago, built out a data science minor. Um, that's a mix of what we call data science skills coursework, which are things that you know we would have probably have more familiar with, like programming in Python and, and machine learning, um, statistics, and data science studies coursework, which is really trying to provide a context for doing work in data science. Um, and, um, and, and the pathway is really a mix of those two areas, as well as kind of cross-cutting courses that make connections between those spaces. Um, and this was really very deliberately to attract, attract students in the social sciences, arts and humanities into data science. Again, not so much with the idea that these were students who were going to become data scientists, but that they were going to get data literacy and be able to understand and engage with teams of data scientists, perhaps in their next career stage, and help be the mediator between those teams and other parts of organizations. Um, and I, I, we consider, continue to see a huge need for those kinds of roles. I don't know if that's something you're also seeing at Berkeley, and we're trying to 
to feed that. And again, also attract students in who wouldn't otherwise know that data science could help them answer really interesting questions in English, or you know, phenomenally like these questions you know in sociology that historically were really challenging to answer because data science data sets were so small. So, I think just helping students realize that impact and the roles that are out there in the world for those careers. Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like we have been seeing a similar thing here at Berkeley where a lot of people in different majors are just like tacking on that data science minor to get more data literacy. So it's really cool to see it happening in other places as well. Um, but we've gotten to the end of the interview. So I'd love to know if you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for other data science educators around the world. Yeah, I guess what I'd say, I mean, this something that we continue to learn is, you know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all way to create um, programs or to meet the undergraduate need, because um, undergraduates come in with such different backgrounds and they have such different, you know, ideas of what they want to do. Um, and so I, I think, we, I guess I would say, we think a lot about how to meet the students where they're at and make a course that actually, you know, create courses or, or formal courses or informal structures that can actually help students feel like they have an engagement point that feels, um, you know, inclusive. I, I say this in the context, and again, I know you, you've developed the wonderful, you know, Berkeley Data 8. Um, program that we've found that even students in, in, you know, an intro data science course with no prereqs may still feel overwhelmed heading into that kind of classroom environment. Um, and I think we, we just need to keep thinking about how we meet students who are coming from different high school backgrounds um, and, um, you know, different exposure to computer science and programming and, and data more broadly. Uh, how we meet them when they come to our university so that they don't get turned off and, and you know, label themselves as not being people who can do this kind of work, when in fact a lot of the work they probably want to do would be helped by having some of this knowledge and, and you know, skill set. We all would love a one a one stop solution, right? But that that's what we're all hoping for. But I think we just we more and more realize that's not realistic. So we just have to keep building out the structures that are going to meet you know these different populations where where they're coming in and can actually um, you know make you know help people to feel successful in those avenues. Thank you. That was a really nice way to wrap up meeting people where they are. Yes, great. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it was a pleasure, and I really appreciate you inviting me, and I enjoyed talking with both of you today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts and join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.